welcome to The Diving Pod. I'm Yahya Radman, head diving coach of the University of Wisconsin and program director for Wisconsin Dive Club. And I'm Heath Calhoun. And I am Aaron Rooney. And as you all know, this podcast is brought to you by Sideline Scout. Make sure you use our link tree in our Instagram bio or just go over to divingpod.com. Um, you can check out the Sideline Scout and all the poolside live packages. I just had a little uh, personal Facebook post and half the videos had that little Sideline Scout tagline. So I'm sure it was entertaining for those to see that. Um, if you are personal friends with me, if not, make sure you get to poolside live. Um, it's the best in video replay that we have in diving. Um, also a reminder, diving 101, that is our episode number two of the diving pod. It's just a refresher on the numbers, the letters, how to score points, and really a lot of, um, terms in our sport that just kind of help you out. And Funny then our say that promotion, we try to push the, uh, the diving 101 to our families that join our club. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Welcome. And then uh, our newest sponsor, Crossbar. Um, so they were nice enough to get with us and work on putting a website together for us, which um, Aaron and I have been using, trying to use a little bit more frequently, getting articles, which we have an awesome article coming up uh, this week. A shout out to Mrs. Nide, Ellie Reese's mom, uh, who is a phenomenal diver in her own right, was writing an article for us just about her relationship with her daughter and the sport of diving and how that um, is handled on her side of things. And it's an awesome article that'll be out on Thursday. So you're able to publish things to your followers. Um, the newest feature that they actually added, they sent us about is you can do insurance registration through the club signup. You can opt into insurance from the club or opt out. It's pretty awesome. Super easy to use. They are awesome with customer service. So get on over there, check them out. Um, our website's divingpod.com. And uh, without further ado, we're going to jump in here, sir. And why don't you hit our listeners with a book, movie, and TV show recommendation, as well as your biggest pet peeve. Um, a little bit hard to follow, but I actually really enjoyed the book Dune. I really right. enjoyed the book Dune. I thought that was a phenomenal book. I also liked um, Tinker Tailor uh, Soldier Spy. Mm -hmm. yep. I like the spy genre. Movie-wise... Um, I am one for garbage movies. Anything with a vampire in it, anything. I hate horror. Don't get me wrong. I hate horror movies. Chucky terrifies me. When I was in college, my roommates <laughs> and my best friends would sit on both sides of me in the movie theater, lock arms. So I just sat there and just got terrified of Freddy and Jace. I hate horror movies. But you put a vampire in there and you put some history to it. I think it's kind of cool. Like the, um, the vampire um, interview with a vampire. Yep. Uh, right. I have a good good question for you. Yeah, is did you watch? I think it was from the BBC, the Dracula TV show. It came. It was like it was so good, wasn't it? I did. I that did. I awesome. thought it was. And it's one of those things that I am heavily judged for by my wife when she walks into the room and I'm watching it. She goes, "You are not. I am." She turns around and walks right out. <laughs> so I have my vice. She has hers. It, it is what it is. Um, TV shows. Um, I love humor. I love comedy. I I could watch stand up for hours. When I was uh, at almost all of my institutions, we would get like Spotify or Pandora. Yeah. I would make one of the channels like you'd listen to Kevin Hart, mm -hmm. one of his skits, and then automatically all the other shows will kind of come up. And you would have us sitting. I remember this one trip vividly. It was me and my team. We were sitting in this 15 passenger van stuck in D.C. traffic. 
not going anywhere. And it was just uh, Tom Segura. Uh, who was the other one? Tom Segura, Kevin Hart, uh, Chad Daniels. Mm-hmm. Chad Daniels was hilarious. And the van just wouldn't stop shaking from laughter. <laughs> and we spent two hours in traffic before we got to practice. And we just le- we were warmed up by the time we walked out. We were laughing so hard. That's so awesome. I, absolutely, I love that. So TV shows, I love comedy stand-up. I love um, – there is this show which I highly don't recommend. But if you are of the – if you like South Park, check out Big Mouth. Yes. If yeah. you are not into it, do not look in that in that direction <laughs> at all. <laughs> and then um, there is a show on BBC called Mongrels. Okay. It is like Big Mouth, but with puppets. And it is ju- it is a different level of messed up. <laughs> nice. And then um, you said the last one, what was it? Uh, uh, pet peeve. Pet peeve. Um, inefficiency. Inefficiency is a massive pet peeve of mine. If you could do it one way efficiently and easily, why would you do it any other way? Mm-hmm. And it that transfers over into our training and our diving. Efficiency and um, attitude are huge pet peeves of mine. When somebody says, I'll tell you what, I always say you're right. I always say you're right. When a kid tells me, I'm like, all right, t- let's go. You're flying over on your reverse two and a half, double on one meter. Let's go for a reverse two and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't do that. Oh, I guess you're right. Mm-hmm. Okay, move on. Well, you're not supposed to say that. You're right. Or you could say, I'm going to go up there and crush this dive. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yep. So I, it, it, like a poor attitude is a massive pet peeve. And unfortunately, it's the lot in life that we've uh, signed up to to deal with. I'm not sure if my high school athletes listen to these. I I doubt it, but <laughs> if they are listening, they just heard something I say every single day. Every day I say that same thing. Whatever you tell yourself, you're always right. No you're matter what. Right. You're always right. All right. So I, moving on here. Um you had one more thing? I hope they do listen. I hope they yeah. do listen because um I saw this great quote, right? So when I worked in Tallahassee in this restaurant, it says, I only hire teenagers because they know everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's That's awesome. Oh, very good. All right. So favorite food, favorite music, and then a fun fact some may not know. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Yeah. Favorite food, favorite music. And then a fun fact that some Favorite? people may not know. So in COVID, I really got into experimental cooking. So right before I go to bed every night, uh, my wife and I, we have this kind of pack that we read a little bit before we go to bed. Mm-hmm. And every night I pull out a cooking magazine or a cookbook and I try to zhuzh up a recipe. I look at it and in my mind, I visualize it kind of like what you expect your divers to do. Mm -hmm. I try to visualize the the process of cooking this recipe. And during the weekend, I will make it a project. If I'm not traveling, if we're not training, that that's what we're going to do. So we have this thing called meat pies. Uh, I call them Liverpool meat pies because only when Liverpool football club is playing am I cooking in the kitchen making these meat pies. And my family loves them and they last maybe three days they're phenomenal. Uh, pizza, I could eat pizza every single day. And there is a, a thing where 
my pizzas are clean. I know it's like organic dough. It's a starter, water, salt. I um, fire roast these tomatoes and the only, and then I shred up block cheese. Super simple. If it is delicious and clean, it is super simple to eat. I can eat it day and night. I love pizza and I love the pasties. And then they're like mussels and fries. I love seafood, but my favorite food is easily these meat pasties and, um, and pizza and any food that we make in our house. Love it. Music. I listen is cliche. I listen to anything, but I love rock. I love hip hop, not necessarily rap, but I love hip hop. Mm. I love anything with a story to it. I don't like country unless there's a story to it. If it's something you can listen to, I hate poppy music. I mean, it has its time and place, but I could sit and I can listen to stories. Irish folk music, oddly enough, I absolutely love. I could sit there by a fire and just listen to folk music, and it unfolds the story over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. And a fun fact about me, I don't know. I don't know what a fun fact about me is. I mean, all of my friends know me. I'm an open book and I don't have any secrets. I am what you, what you see is I'm a Southerner that loves hockey. How about that? There you go. (laughs) There you go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Please take us through your diving journey and what got you to Wisconsin. All right, kids put on a helmet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) we my family and i we moved um we immigrated to the states in 97 it would have been seventh grade um we moved to bloomington indiana uh home of indiana university i started middle school there through the summer i was a couch potato and for you young listeners who don't know what a couch potato is it's basically a fat kid with thick glasses that eats potato chips watching tv that's not an option in our family. So when school started, my mother and my father said, you need to pick something to do. I loved soccer, uh, football, uh, saying it growing up, but our middle school didn't have it. You can only do it in high school. And if, as I learned here in the States, if you wanted to do club soccer, it cost you an arm and leg and we were not yep. there as immigrants. Um, the other option would be basketball. Well, I was too short for basketball and too pudgy. I didn't know the rules. It didn't make any sense to me. You put a score, you put the ball in the hoop and it's two points, it's three points. From, it didn't make sense to me. So I couldn't do it. Um, football way too small. Just doesn't make sense. I was always a decent swimmer. So my mom said, this is what you're going to do. So we saw uh, signs for a tryout and we went to do a tryout. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in the high school, um, high school pool in eighth, seventh grade. So we were bust over. And I'm sitting in this high school pool and the high school season start or the middle school season started right as the high school season was ending. So there's this little bit of an overlap where the high school team is swimming and diving and we are just about to get in. And as I'm sitting in these stands, I'm watching the swimming lanes and it's just like, it's boring. You're just going laps and I guess I'm going to do this. And then I saw what eventually would be my high school coach bouncing on the boards and I think he did a 51-32. I smoked it. And I was like, that kind of looks fun. I mean, that looks fun. That looks like something I want to try. So the, the coach at the time, Sandy Searcy, she, she was at the front. Anybody who was trying out for swimming, 
head to the blocks. Anybody who wants to try out diving, head to the diving boards. Out of the 70 kids that were sitting in the, in the stands, all 70 of us stood up and we all went to the diving side because that looked <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> Three days later, I was the last idiot standing. All the smacks, the front flips, the back flips, the, the bruises and the marks. And yet I was absolutely hooked and I could not give up figuring out how to do a front flip without landing on my face. Um, and that was in 97. And I am still uh, completely addicted to diving. Wow. Um, I, I did high school. Um, I did high school diving my junior year or sophomore year, I should say. I started doing club. And in club, so Adam Soldati and Kimiko Hirai, or at the time, uh, Kimiko Soldati, his wife, they were my coaches. And we were at Indiana University. Jeff Huber was the coach at the time. Um, I got a job. I had a job always since I was 14. And I always got the job. I always paid for my lessons. I was, that was my pride. I got a car. My first truck was $500. It was oh. a beater. But that was the car that was going to get me to practice come rain or, rain or shine. Sunday mornings were the only days that I didn't go to practice because I had to work on Sundays for brunch. Um, and it kind of carried on. And that was my life from sophomore, junior year of high school up until 2010. Hmm. Up until 2010. That was my life. That's that's what I lived for. Um I dove in high school all the way through. I dove in, co in um, college for a semester. Unbeknownst to me, and I think this is a real push of why I became a diving coach, was because time management is a totally loaded and bogus notion. Anybody who's in high school has great time management. So when I talk to a young family or recruit who tells me, we're amazing at time management. Yeah, well, so am I. My day was filled from 7 to 3 in the afternoon with school, and then I get to go to practice, of course, my day is awesome with time management. I don't I only have two places I have to be. Mm -hmm. And my parents are going to make lunch for me. So what do I have to worry about? Yeah, it's the um, when you get to college. It's all the other distractions that get in the way. Yeah. And seeing as I was not going to <laughs> to be a professional diver, I kind of had to get that D minus in economics <laughs> up and get my horrible GPA to a point where I can graduate decently. Um, I walked into Huber's office and I told him that I, I had to quit diving. It was probably one of the hardest things, but at the time I was also coaching on the side. So I started coaching when I was 16. Um, and I told him, I, I have to focus on school. He was very understanding. Uh, Jason Bauman at the time was my coach. He was the coordinator for events and diving. And him and Huber said, why don't you stick around and help us coach? Learn how to coach with us. Be a part of the club, be a part of the university. So I was kind of a team manager for the university and an assistant coach. And I just, I thrive. And again, I went right back into my system talking about the, um, the living on, on an edge, always being stressed, I, I thrived on that. I helped organize recruiting weekends. I helped organize 
um, class schedules and calendars, training trip. I thought it was fantastic. I loved every aspect of it. Move forward a couple of years. Um, I graduated. I lived abroad. I studied abroad. And then my senior year, when I returned from my year abroad, I had enough credits going into my last semester of college for two bachelor's degrees and a minor. <laughs> uh, Todd Weichel became the assistant at the time. He called me and he was like, hey, can you take over this club? I don't want to do it. It's, it's really challenging. At the time, Todd Weichel was the only assistant coach in the United States for a college. Whoa. I want to tell you just how far we have come. Yeah. Todd Whoa. Weichel was the only assistant coach, and he's currently at Iowa now, and it was at Indiana. So we gave up one of the swimming spots, the coaching spots, to designate it as a specifically diving coach. So it was the only university that had two full-time diving coaches. Wow. Um, and he said, hey, can you take over our club? Because it was my club uh, that I grew up with. I said, I can't. I want to finish my degree, and then I want to go off and study law. I woke up on January the 4th or 5th. It must have been like the first day of classes. And I said, you know what? I have two degrees already in the bag. I have a minor. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with school. And I went back to sleep. I called the <laughs> registrar when I woke up after breakfast and I withdrew from classes and applied for graduation. I called Todd and said, yes, I'll take over the club. The club was doing okay. It was a small club. And we started building it up, and I got my very first East National qualifier, this little boy, right? Uh, maybe 10 years old, 10 or 11 years old. It was in Harvard. That's where the Nationals were. So we went to Boston, um, and I loved it. It was my first experience. I met so many people, and we were very well connected. And after that, when we came back from it, we went through the summer and I pushed this little kid hard to learn these dives and to be a better diver so we can go back again and do this again. And we're going to have all this amazing success. And then he quit. And I realized that this was not about me. This was about the kid. And ever since then, I have had the, his name was Chase. And ever since then, I have had this, um, call my chip on my shoulder that I was going to rectify what I had screwed up my in my first opportunity of power and of success. And I wasn't going to allow that to happen again. That's where that's my journey, if you will, leading yeah. up to it. I went overseas. Um, I was director of ops. I was the first director of ops again in the country at Indiana. Um, for swimming and diving. So I learned a world of a wealth of experience about the swimming world in collegiate athletics, as well as the diving world. And then decided to take a break, go overseas, consult a little bit. Um, we lived in Egypt. We lived in Taiwan. I got to experience a bunch of world championships and different worlds training for diving. And then I got an opportunity to be a coach at Florida State with Patrick Jeffrey. I was his assistant. I was the second a full-time assistant in the country behind Todd Weichel. And then um, two years after that, 
my wife and I, we moved to Wyoming where I became a diving coach there. I was assistant to um, TJ Johnson, who was a swim coach over there. And I got to run my own program. And then my daughter was born in Laramie, Wyoming, my first one. And then we got this call to go to NC State in Raleigh, where my second daughter was born. And we moved to Raleigh because my, my wife's family is in North Carolina. And if you can tell from the hockey jersey that I'm wearing, <laughs> um, we had an affinity for North Carolina. So I was there for seven years. I had a tremendous amount of success. And it really helped me become the coach that I am. And COVID happened and the world changed and it was time for a new adventure. It was time for something different. And Wisconsin, Wisconsin and I hit it off. I knew Yuri, who was a coach at Cal. We had uh, some experiences together. I think we always respected each other. We always liked each other. And he said, what, what do you think about interviewing? And, and I submitted my application and we talked. And there was a brand new facility online. And the potential was incredible. The potential was absolutely unbelievable. And it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass. And Anissa, we love North Carolina, but Anissa, my wife, uh, I came on my interview and I said, I won't take the job until you go up there and check it out. She went up there, she landed. And as she flew in, she saw Madison. And in my mind, Wisconsin was very much like a, a miniature Minnesota. If you've ever been to the Twin Cities, it is concrete, it is cold, it's not particularly pretty, especially for divers who come in in the winter months. If you've never been to Minnesota, except in the winter months during the winter nationals or during a collegiate season, it's not attractive. In the summers, it's very different, but for the most part in the winters, it's not that attractive. So in my mind, that's what it was. So I flew into Madison, fell in love with it. It was as Midwest as you can be. It was a city. There was a massive university, a world-class university, a world-class facility. The possibilities were endless. And when she arrived, she texted me after an evening. I was back in Raleigh with my daughters. And she texted me and she said, you're taking this job. Wow. Okay. And that was it. And the rest was history. We moved into a house. The university was extremely accommodating. We, I told them that I, um, I'm not moving without my family. So we are looking to buy a house. We're not doing temporary housing. By that point, my daughter has only been at school um, two years, and she had changed schools maybe four times. Mm -hmm. So we needed some consistency. So we finally yeah. found this house on this great cul-de-sac or this great street where there's like six or seven little girls of the same age. Perfect. Perfect. And here we are, Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm the, I still kind of get jitters thinking about it. I'm the head coach of the diving program at the University of Wisconsin in the Big Ten and the program director for the Wisconsin Dive Club. Let me put it to you this way, boys. I tell kids to point their toes I get paid for it and I could put food on my table and a roof over my family's head because of sport. What a country. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. So just a, a, a lighthearted follow-up Culver's have you been and what's your order? <laughs> you took uh, me there, Rooney. 
I did. We have we have been to Culver's. It is again from a, a foodist house. It's good. <laughs> I make my smash burgers a little bit better. I don't uh, doubt that at all. <laughs> but my go-to is always the single with grilled onions, um, grilled onions, tomatoes, mustard, or not tomatoes, ketchup, mustard, uh, and pickles and cheese. Very good. Super simple. The butter does get me. The butter really wrecks my world. And I will <laughs> go back for it again and again. It's a part of my, it's part of my, um, every time I go to Schrader Dive Club. Yep. And for mm-hmm. those of you who are listening, it is not Schroeder, it is Schrader. It's very <laughs> similar to, to the poor saps that go down to Moultrie that wear the, um, what is that called? The, um, the fabric softeners to keep the gnats out of their face. That's so the locals can tell that you are not a local. <laughs> so it's not Schroeder, it is Schrader. <laughs> so every time I leave Schrader's pool at Brown Deer, there's a Culver's right across the street and I go grab myself a meal. I eat that with a couple of other diving coach friends. We talk shop, we talk life, and then we go our separate ways and then we'll run into each other in the next month or two. Yep. Yeah, Culver's is a staple of the Midwest. Uh, there's There's one all over the place and so i don't when are they going to sponsor you guys that's a good that's a great question that'd be a good question free ads i guess today huh <laughs> <laughs> um okay welcome to delicious I, there yeah. it is Look, he's it that is. was a pretty good the voice was right on nailed it um okay so i'm really excited to hear you talk about this yes. the new team event for the ncaa how did it come to be um who's involved i i, I want to hear you i want to let you cook for a moment okay and, uh, tell us all about it so the team event is a response so uh, one of the things about my diving journey is i've always my goal my goal has always been the how do i benefit diving i don't care about the clubs i don't care about the coaches i don't care about the athletes i don't None of those individualistic entities really matter unless somebody cares for the sport of diving. If it doesn't exist, none of us exist. Mm -hmm. So our focus has to be on the sport. If you take care of diving, I guarantee you the coaches will thrive. The clubs will thrive. If those two are thriving, the athletes are going to thrive and, and they will come in the hundreds there is no re gymnastics are you kidding me gymnastics is the most successful sport in the country but they top off at 12 years old and they are the most lucrative sport that's not even a lifetime sport how is that possible you max out and if you go on to college you are in the super minority swimming is a lifetime sport soccer is a lifetime sport football is not Throwing the pigskin is, but you do not play football. Yeah. Soccer is, swimming is. Why doesn't diving happen? We have masters. We have masters diving. Yep. Why is it? It's because nobody knows how to take care of the sport. So me and a small group of, of coaches that really aspire for this, COVID was, uh, was instrumental in making this happen because we saw how, how hard it was to make things work, Right. Swimming, you find a pool anywhere you go and swim. Diving, you can't do it. And then you saw this innovative front 
you had these dive classes on Zoom. You had these yoga classes on Zoom. You had these dry land. If you had a trampoline in your backyard, you put up a camera and you had your coach coaching you. It was incredible. Just this, this innovative approach that nobody has ever seen. And I thought, you know what? I really wish we could do more with it. And up until like since my days in Wyoming and working my way all the way through, I have been very known in the diving community to, to be involved in committees, to be involved in, in volunteering at meets. If it doesn't help me, it doesn't matter. But if I'm going to help at nationals, for instance, who's going to call towers? I'll call towers, right? I'll spend all day so that coaches can do their jobs. And so athletes can enjoy the experience. Now, mind you, the beard does scare people, but the barking <laughs> gets me going. And I've been on the NC. I've been very fortunate to be on the NCA committee. And what that means to be on an NCA committee is that the conference and the swimming, no, not the swimming, the SWAs, the sports women administrators, mm -hmm. um, had enough confidence in me and my judgment to nominate me to a national committee to oversee diving for the United States with my partner. At the time, my partner was Dan Locke at Georgia, who eventually mm -hmm. retired from diving to become the high performance director at USA Diving, a very successful stint. And he had his own success um, with the Brazilian Olympic team and with Team USA with Chris Colwell, who's currently yep. at Georgia. Um, but some of the things that I learned from Dan was how do we marry swimming and diving? I mean, the sign behind you, it says NCA swimming and diving. Well, it's yep. not, it doesn't really feel like swimming and diving. Yeah. So one of the things that Dan and I worked on was, well, we listened to the, what are some of the gripes of the swim coaches? What are some of the gripes of the diving coaches? And can we find a common ground? And in my opinion, I really do feel that the NCAA championships that we hosted, that we worked on, were some of the most fluid championships you could possibly have. For instance, we would we with with all respect and we understood this the diving event is going to start at 12 30. well why don't we just start the diving event at 12 35 and just stop the boards from bouncing during the 50 freeze of the national champion because the swimmers also are they are also entitled to having a successful championship without missing the missing the start because of a diving board and the divers understand that and the swimmers understand that, but then you have some hot-headed coaches who don't understand that. So our job is to find this happy medium between the two to have a successful championship. Again, going back to my first year as a coach, it's not about you, coach. It's mm -hmm. about the athlete. Yeah. Take your head out of your pants and allow your athletes to be successful. And I really do take that to heart. So COVID passed, I got... I got removed from the committee because I was no longer in the ACC and the committee spots go from conference to conference. Mm -hmm. um, the COVID year, the COVID year and the year before that, it was Tom Stebbins and I at UCLA and myself. And it was a, it was a dookie show. It was hard as get out. You couldn't have a zone meet. You had to meet these COVID restrictions. You had to do all kinds of things. And the subcommittee, and the way, for those of you who don't uh, understand how this happens, the NCAA committee is a 
a group of administrators, swim coaches, and two dive coaches. So it was me and Tom. The swim coaches on these committees are, they're swim coaches, but we were able to educate them about diving. And then they could see us as partners, as equals. And we worked harmoniously to make this very difficult situation a beautiful opportunity to allow the kids to get something out of it. Now, mind you, in 2020, there was a whole class of seniors that were robbed of the opportunity to go yeah. to nationals. Two of them were mine. It was really hard to watch that these kids who have busted their hump through all of this, just, that was it. Yeah. That was, that, that was the end. It was the ultimate cliffhanger, and it fell like lead. We didn't want that to happen again. So Tom and I were tasked with this monstrous task of, of producing a national championship. Greensboro was great. They did a phenomenal job considering the swim teams, the dive teams were great considering anything Tom and I suggested. They said, as long as we can get back to competition, we are for it. So there's the two of us on the national committee. And then the people who help us, who help advise us are the subcommittee, the subcommittee for each of the zones, each of the five zones in the NCAA, there are two representatives, a senior rep and a junior rep. And they would give us feedback. So we had this constant communication between them. Like, what is happening on the ground? What are you seeing on the West Coast, Central Coast, East Coast? It was, it was really, really something special. And then once we got out of COVID, I moved from North Carolina to Wisconsin. It got boring. There was nothing else. What was the next thing we were going to do? There was talk about, you know, maybe, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should try... Uh, realigning the zones maybe we should do like a super conference how can we make the meet more elite stop what and richard marshner from utah came up with this brilliant idea of let's make a team event let's make a team event and we went through so many iterations and then it was richard myself tom stebbins Lindsay adoreco and then casey katie hazelton or katie katie um Casper Zach. Out at Pitt. So we all we we kind of sat down and the architects of it were uh Richard, myself, Tom had a lot of input into it. And then we included Katie and Lindsay and we kind of brought this thing together and we and it became what it is, the team event. And one of the things that I became very strong at was um legalese is how do you put things in a proposal form? And that's something that I've been working on for years. And to go back a little bit, Dan Locke and I worked tirelessly to have the new qualification system that we're in right now. So when you go to NCAAs in Division One, it's back in the day, you only took 35 men and 42 women. That's mm -hmm. it. And you had to dive all three events. Well, now you take close to 40 women per event. Yep. Close to 50 women per event, close to 40 men per event. And they are specialists on one meter, three meter, and platform. They are the literally the best of the best in the United States. Not Americans, by the way. We're right. talking any international who comes over, mm -hmm. they are the best of the best. So arguably, the NCAA championship is the toughest championship in the world, hands down. 
with that, with that training, with that politicizing, that that talk back and forth, the compromising, we decided to create this team event. And a team event is very simple. The excitement that you get from a swimming relay out of your 30, 40 swimmers, you only have four people on this relay. That means all eyes are on you. And as competitors, that's great. But when you put it as a team, it is amazing. It is just electrifying. Diving never had anything like it. The FINA team event is fine, but there is nothing like an NCAA team event. Three men, three women, because we are very much gender. Uh, mm -hmm. You have to go by the genders, right? Yep. So no mixed genders. Three men or three women. You have you have to cover and you have to showcase all six categories: front, back, reverse, inward, twister, and arm stand. You have to cover one meter, three meter, and platform. So already we are showcasing as coaches. We know how to do our jobs. We know how to teach. We know how to coach. We know how to develop. So we are going to take our three kids. We are going to split them up over the three events. So this last this last event that I had, I had one of my boys um, focus strictly on one meter. I had another boy focus on three meter and the other boy focus on tower only. So we opened up with an arm stand and we closed with a 51-54 on 10 meter. And then we, we um, alternated the springboards. So they mm -hmm. got rest. It's a strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, another team went one meter, the first two dives, three meter, the second two dives, and then they finished up. So it's whatever works best for them. Right. The noise in the natatorium when a diver crushes a dive and the pride that you have that you see the school at the end of it is, is absolutely amazing. And the question always was, well, what if we don't have tower? We have an app for that. In that case, if you don't have tower, much like the Division Two, Division Three schools, yep. you focus just on springboards. Yep. In that case, since there's only two events that you're competing in, your three divers will cover three dives on one meter, three dives on three meter, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. What is the? Why don't we just do synchro? It's so much easier. Why don't we do synchro? Because synchro, unfortunately, is elitist. Synchro, you have to have a facility that can host two three meters side by side. They have to have two one meters side by side. How many facilities have that? Yeah. Not a lot. Yeah. How many facilities have platforms? Even fewer. Yep. So as the NCAA goes, we have to serve the minor the majority. We have to serve the most. And it would be unfair i have a world-class facility it would be unfair for me to say this is how it needs to be done and then i will absolutely push aside a, a clarion yeah or a school that has a colorado state that has a one meter and a three meter springboard and that's it yeah. i was in those schools i was at wyoming where we had two one meters on the far sides of each other with a three meter in the middle mm. and then i built a two meter platform right in between them so what am I going to say? That those people aren't allowed to be a part of this event? Well, this yeah. is a very inclusive event. 
And then when you do synchro, you have to you have to find similar lists, similar looking divers. Well, then I mean that's just a case of the rich getting richer. Yeah, that is incredibly unfair, and that is the the worst. That's how sport dies when you serve the elite. Now, if you look at what we're doing, we are highlighting and showcasing the best of the best. So what does that mean? If I'm looking to recruit for this event, I need somebody who can crush backs and gainers. Yeah. Not all my kids need backs and gainers, but if I find a back and gainer diver, I'm going to get that kid. I can teach them the rest, but you are my star when we go to this team event. Yep. A tower diver? I would love to have tower divers. Can you hold a harem stand? No, I can't. Oh, I'm not interested. I need somebody who can hold an arm stand because I need somebody to cover this event. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. So now, as a diving coach, Heath, Aaron, if I sent you to a diving meet at the University of Georgia, you have a side of the pool, you can take your springboards and roll them up to one. Do you think you could teach your team how to do a platform list on five meter? I'm not saying a big list, right. but a platform list. Can you do O3s in all directions and teach your kid how to do an arm stand dive? Can you? Let's hope. I would think most likely, yeah. The answer is actually yes. Because you do it already. Yeah. So that makes you and your team eligible for the team event. You are now a part of this, this movement and this event, which is my favorite event. Up until this point, my favorite event was the 400 free relay. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? I, I couldn't tell you why. I would assume it just, you get to, I don't know, like there's just something special about getting to throw a group of guys together or, or women and, and just saying, all right, like bring your best. But I couldn't tell you why that event specifically. Because it's the last event of any NCAA slate. And when you look up on the scoreboard, you don't see any individual names. You simply see the University of Wisconsin. Yeah. Clarion. You see the team name. The last thing you will ever see at any competition is the name of the program in the university. What greater honor is there than you, you being a part of and responsible for putting that name on the board? It's not individual. It is yeah. the team. You are nothing until you realize that you are a small part of something much bigger. That is the team event. And that is something that we have pushed for time and time again. And it is gaining traction because guess what? Kids get rowdy. There's only three people that can be on that event. So if you have a team, we went down to the University of Georgia for our, our fall invite. University of Florida, FSU, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, we all did the team event, um, Georgia Tech, and in the team event, it was exhibition, everybody was tired, but man, I'll tell you what, when they found a second gear, and a third gear, and a fourth gear, somebody comes off 10 meter, they crush that dive, the entire natatorium goes, <laughs> and the swim coaches and the swimmers had to stop for a second and look, and they're like, what is going on? Everybody is in the hunt. All of a sudden, it turns into a, a battle of states. It's a battle of schools, a battle of conferences. And 
The Big Ten's cheering for the Big Ten. The SEC's cheering for the SEC. It's a fight between Florida State and, and UF, ACC against SD, and we are all in it. And at the end of it, the coaches come up to me and they say, I've never done this event, but man, that was fun. That was, the finals are fun, but man, that was fun. That's what we live for. And we want to give our athletes the opportunity to have something this special because we don't have it available to us. Yeah. So why not create it? So massive kudos go out to all the people who have done all the legwork to get this done from Richard Marshner, Tom Stebbins at UCLA, Katie, Lindsay, and anybody, Josh Larkham. I could name every single coach, but everybody was all in favor of it. That's absolutely incredible. It's funny. You mentioned like just how it creates a different, almost like, like a different gear, a different level of excitement because I had mentioned to my team that uh, where Josh is at FIU just announced their conference is doing the team event. And they're like, that just sounds like so much fun. And I was like, yeah, just think about it. Like three of you, you know, if you're at nationals, you get to compete, you represent the school and you get to put together just a creative list. I watched my, th like I watched three women specifically and three men specifically on my team literally start being like, what would we do? What would we do? How would it work out? Like, and it's like, it's a different level of excitement. Like it really was because it wasn't thinking about themselves. Like I watch kids that maybe get a little stressed thinking about themselves and how do they get to a certain spot being like, Oh no, I'll do these dives because I know I can do them better. And then this person does that way better than me. And it, it almost just created this aspect and it's, it's been really cool to follow. And it's been something like I actually brought it up for our, we did a big invitation at the beginning of our season. And I asked the teams, I said, Hey, would anybody want to do like just exhibition, the team event? It can be the last event we do just for fun, see how it goes. And unfortunately, like all the other teams that came were like, we just don't have three men and three women yet. But like next year we have this in line. Like if we have the people, we'll do it. Like it's, pretty wild to see how much it is getting supported but it it i guess I shouldn't say wild's not the right word it's exciting wild is not the right word exciting is the right word because well, everyone seems to love the idea if you if you don't mind i'd like to make a little plug yeah go to ahead every division, to every division two and division three coach nia club coach high school coach i cannot encourage you enough to do this if you have the boards and I want you to fathom this because this works for everybody. If you only have a one meter board, you can still do this team event mm -hmm. and do six dives over three divers. You just have to double up one. Yep. It is. I'm asking one diver to do two dives. We'll find that diver's best dives and let them do it. Let them show it off, showcase it and carry the team on your back. This is an opportunity to be a part of a team, something that diving has never had, something that we as coaches have had to sell and coax our kids into saying, yeah, we're part of the team. No, you're not. You're an individual. This time, we are actually a part of the team. And for every coach who has fought us tooth and nail against this, I get it. I understand that you are scared. I understand that you are nervous. I understand that this is not, this is something that you have never experienced before. But I ask you not to deprive the next generation of something that you were deprived in the past. This does work. You're either going to get on this. And this is why we are not pushing to make this a scored event right now. The AAC and the Big 12 have decided to score this event. 
this was way ahead of what we expected. And it was amazing, the support, mm-hmm. because their administrators and their swim coaches could have the foresight and they see it. Kudos to them. For those of you that are still in the exhibition phases, keep going. Keep doing this thing. Do the good fight. You're only doing it. You're only doing two dives. When we were at Big Tens, we did this event on a Wednesday, right between the relays. Well, with swimming in those two relays, you need a little bit of a break, right? This event runs 30 minutes. It's 30 minutes long. It is super short. Guess what? Once that first relay was done, we went to the team event. I was announcing it. And all eyes were on diving. And here's the order that it goes when you announce it. You announce it on the 10 meter. Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin doing 107 whatever, right? Or I'm sorry, uh, 10 meter, 107C, University of Wisconsin. 10 meter, all the judges will look right up to 10 meter. Mm -hmm. 107C, they know what the dive is. University of Wisconsin. Everybody who's cheering for Wisconsin in the stands, swimming or diving, is going to look at the towers. And when they hit the water, they light up. And it was fun. It was electric. The kids had a fun time. It wasn't about them. It was about us. Yep. And they had a great time. We had this, we heard this great argument. There aren't enough male divers to feel this. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. Because we looked at AAU, USA diving, high school diving in all 50 states. There's plenty of divers there. You need to give them a shot to do it. Yeah. It was amazing and now from what i understand some of the high schools are starting to do it as well they want to do this team event come on so i i ask and i challenge our d2 and d3 friends because we're still early in the season i don't want to put my kids on three meter to do their full ops Mm -hmm. well now in november we kind of have to but in october and september i don't want to put my kids through three meter ops well here's an option Let's yeah. run a one meter event and let's run a, a team event. Yeah. And the schools that have done it have seen nothing but success and it works for them and the kids are excited and now they buy into the program in a sport that is so stagnant. Now we have this opportunity to reinvigorate what we actually love and we get to do a little bit of strategy to it. Amazing. Well, and I had a follow-up and it really, my brain was just kind of spiraling of the potential of what could be and potential, like, uh, I don't want to use the word recruiting, but if you're a team event focused university and you need somebody who can do a good gainer, or you need somebody who can do a decent twister, I think of that from a recruiting perspective where you might look at a kid differently and give an opportunity to somebody that you normally wouldn't because, you know, their six dive list isn't that great, but man, they can smoke a full out. And then, and then inversely too, I think from a high school coach's perspective, because that's what I am. If I have a kid who, man, they really struggle with twisters and I know they have to do two for an 11 dive list, but they're super good at backs and reverses. I'm going to continue to work those backs and reverses, knowing that if there's a a team event minded coach out there, we can, you know, promote that. Hey, these are some of my strengths. I realize I'm not the strongest twister or, you know, I do throw my hips back too far on inwards, but I have a tremendous strength here and I can provide that for your team in the future. 
rather than, I mean, I, I would always still coach a well-rounded list, but I might not, you know, stray away from those strengths as much as I currently do. And I, I, I try to bring their weaknesses higher and just maintain their strengths. If it was a team minded aspect in the recruiting, you know, portion of it, I might say, you know what, your backs and reverses are good. Let's make them better. And let's continue to double down and really hammer on those strengths so that, you know, you might have a chance to go to the university of Wisconsin versus uh, I don't want to pick on the little guys, but I will St. Cloud state, St. Cloud state's in my backyard. I went to St. Cloud state. I love St. Cloud state, but the university of Wisconsin has got a little bigger name and a little bigger prestige to it. And, and if there's an opportunity there for somebody who might not have it in a six dive list, Oh, that's really cool. Well, let me ask you this. When you have a convert who switches over to diving from gymnastics, from trampoline, what are their strengths? It's not backs and gainers, right? But they can twist like a mug. Yeah. They could probably front somersault like nobody's business. And they're strong and powerful. Yep. Well, up until this point, they've always been second-class citizens in the diving world. You could tell a gymnast from a mile away. Well, now all of a sudden, there's a value to that. If we could put them in the team event, yeah. I need you to do two dives really well. Same things that you've been doing. Let me teach your balance. As a coach, as a teacher, I will teach you the rest of the stuff, yeah. but I still want to, I still want you to have a value on my team. And when we go into battle, when we go into competition, I do want you to be involved. Well, how is it that you care about my value? Well, here's my event. This is it. I need you to do two dives. That's it. I need you to do two dives and represent the school all in. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that yes. all that a kid wants is just to be valued, included, and to feel like a part of the team. Can they contribute? Swimmers, they get five relays to be a part of. Divers don't get anything. Mm -hmm. They do now. Now, three divers on your team get to feel that I contributed to the team total at the end of the meet. I got to be a big part of yeah. this. How does that not sell? Yeah. That is that is what our goal is. That is what our mission is. And that is something that we have preached for. And I will call and talk to any coach over the phone time and time again. And and I don't I don't sell what I don't believe. If you are with this event, then you are for diving. Yeah. If you are against this event, I don't know what to tell you. I really wish you the best of luck, but your priorities need to be checked. Mm. That's Absolutely. cool. Yeah. I you're spot on. I mean, it's just it's a really exciting new thing that is coming. And I think it like you kind of mentioned, it's coming really fast and it's really exciting. And honestly, like just hearing you talk about it, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get on the email tomorrow and start texting some coaches. We have a invite we don't dive at a conference meet they voted diving out of our conference along in like the early 90s but i got all of the state schools in pa that are d2 to come to our pool and do like a not a real conference championship but a conference championship like, let's do the team event so and i think they'll all be on board so that yep that's on the agenda for tomorrow morning now all right yeah yeah what are some of your personal goals over the next few years and i know that that challenges you a little bit in the aspects of you're not really viewing it personally. You're viewing it from the lens of that athlete, but what are some things you hope to accomplish with your team or personally over the next few years? Well, we're still young. 
we're still young and early. My, every time I take a job, I have a five-year plan. And then I reevaluate after five years. So we are just into year three right now. Um, a couple of my goals are on the senior level is to have um, my team on the college side to be competitive at the the U.S. Winter National Championships and vying for those very selective spots internationally travel. Mm -hmm. I would. Our goal is to get at least one to two All Americans on each side of the women and, and men's at NCAA's. An All American is top eight. I've had an honorable mention, which was phenomenal with Rachel Muma, um, but. The next step is to get an All-American. I want a national champion, just like everybody else does. I want to win. I want to win as much as I can. Um, and then I do, over the next couple of years, I want to promote Wisconsin diving to be an another showcase event in Madison where people will yeah. flock from Illinois and Minnesota to come watch the Badgers. And that is a big part of what we've done with our camp system, our club system, is this promotion. When you come to our home meets, our dual meets, there is about um, 25 yards worth of uh, bench space or bleacher space, which is filled to the gills with divers. And they are there just to watch our diving team there. They'll cheer for the swimmers, but they are there for the diving team. And those come from our club kids, they come from parents, from alumni, from um, recruits and their families, from commitments and their families, and it just, it's packed. That is what I want for our kids because I feel like our senior team, our college team, deserves the, from for all the work that they put in, they deserve to be showcased. They deserve to be celebrated. They deserve to be recognized, but they also have to earn it. So one of my requirements is after we break down after an event is that they go up into the stands, they sign autographs, they thank the little kids who've come out to the meets. I ask my my college athletes to come to the club, club practice, do a little bit of homework if you want, but just your presence. Yep. It, like these kids love that you are Badgers. You are the Badgers. You are the Badgers in their sport. So you will have these little boys and little girls who go running up to go, mom, dad, mom, dad, the Wisconsin divers are here. The Badgers are here. And he coached me. Like, Tasman Abramovich, he coached me. Molly Hampton, she was coaching me. She's my summer league coach. And these goosebumps that flip. I get these emails from these parents of, your kids, your college kids are amazing divers, but they're even better human beings because they took the time to recognize that a little kid is afraid of a back lineup and they coach them through it. They taught them through it. And in 10 years from now, my college kids aren't going to remember any of this. Right. But that 10 year old is going to remember the date, yeah. the time, what the weather was like, what hot dog was being cooked in the air, whether it was pizza or not, or nachos that they had for lunch. When the badger diver taught them how to do a back lineup, that is all you want as the, yeah. As a as a human, as a father, as a, a hopefully a mentor, as a teacher, all I want is my wards to be able to to pay it forward. 
And that is something that we're looking to do over the next couple of years. I want Madison to be a diving hub. I want U.S. Diving to, to call me and say, hey, we have this national qualifier. We want to come to Madison. Check. AAU, yeah. give me a call. I want to host the national championship in Madison. Come on up. Why? Because Madison is, is a diving city. We have this massive summer league. We have this massive summer league where you have close to 700 kids that are diving. Our club alone is 120 kids. And that's, I'm turning kids away. Whoa. My first open house, I expected 40 kids. We ended up with 80 families. <laughs> I was overwhelmed. <laughs> My second open house when we did this, I was like, oh, I'm ready for this. We've got, I'm expecting 60 fa families. Because by the time we we broke for the summer, we had 60 families before the summer went. I'm like, 60 families are coming back. I've, I've got this set. I've got space. I've got room. I've got everything. Turned out to be 120. We doubled our number. So there is diving lives in Madison. Madison, Wisconsin is, is diving central. What they did at Schrader, Schrader was instrumental and inc what todd hill and his crew did was amazing to keep diving alive if you've ever come to a schrader meet or a regional or a zone meet at schrader like the breakfast brats you come to milwaukee just for those you come to be midwest nice so madison we are an extension of that and the association that we have here in madison on the junior level i should say the association we have between chicago milwaukee Madison, Minneapolis, and then some of the other clubs that come around. Unbelievable. There is no animosity. All we want is what's best for our kids. Every month we have a competition between now and May. We have this Grand Prix circuit where you get to walk around with this WWE belt as the champion at the end of it. Like, <laughs> it is like, this is fun. This is why we, we, this is why people from the East Coast and the West Coast zone hop so they can come and be a part of, of us because we have a great time. We're super competitive, but we love doing what we do. So for the next couple of years, I want to expand on that. I want to, I want to expand and move the barometer to a point where we are undeniably the, the home of diving in the Midwest. Right? I think you, uh, I think you nailed one of those talking points about, you know, you have a young club kid and they see the Wisconsin Badgers diving team. I was once one of those little kids and I might bore people with this story because I've said it before, but I remember going to University of Minnesota camp and I was coached by one of the gopher divers. Her name at the time <laughs> was, was Jack Schrader. Now she is Jack Horner. And I got to see her for the first time in years. I mean, it's been 15 years since I've seen her. And I walked up to her, I said, you are Jack. You, I, I don't know if you remember me, but you taught me this, this, this. I've looked up to you forever. You inspired me to want to be a better diver because I saw you and I knew you did front three and a half tuck on three meter. And I was like, whoa, I want to do that dive. And she kind of laughed and she didn't really know how to take that. And she thought maybe, you know, it was like, oh yeah, you know, my husband is Terry. Yes. He's the diver of the family. But I was like, no, seriously, Jack, I am like the biggest fan of you. 
but that's that culture that you're instilling right now. And it kind of gave me goosebumps as you were talking about that, because I, I was that, I was that kid that would have been like, wow, that's the, that's the Wisconsin Badgers. He just coached me or she just coached me. How cool is that? And I mean, I'm 31 years old and I can still remember Jack and amazing. It, it's really cool to hear that that's happening right now in Madison. Well, I'll tell you what we, this is something that I've been ridiculed for, for numerous times. Again, it's the naivety in it. Uh, forgive it, but it's the naivety of a, of an immigrant, if you will. When I went to Indiana and I grew up in Bloomington on our team, we had two Olympians. We had maybe two or three junior national champions, maybe three or four all Americans, definitely a cha an NCAA champion. Growing up, this was the standard. This was the standard. You had a camp that ran for five weeks. You had a club that was successful. Yeah. This was not, to me, this is not strange. This is life, yeah. right? When I went to Wyoming, I tried to instill the same thing. Didn't work. NC State, I got a little bit better at it, got a little closer to it. Slowly got there, but didn't work at the end. Got to Madison, working on it. And then I realized, dude, that was the enigma. That was the, not every program has an Olympian in their, in their program. Not every program has a national champion. These kids come to these programs because of that. They don't, there's kids that go to programs because they don't have that. So I, you really have to coach and teach the person based on what they want, not what you want. Again, it's one of those things that I had to learn the really hard way. So here in Madison, I had a blank slate. I had, we were prime for the picking. You had this population that was dying for a club. When I talked to Todd Hill before I took the job, he says, if you take that job, you have to start a club. And it took a year. I did not start it right away. It took me a year. I needed to get my college belt figured out. Then I was able to incorporate the club. Then I brought in the camp system. So we went two years for a week-long camp. This upcoming summer, we're going to go two weeks of camps. So our school, our public school lets out, I want to say like June the 5th or so. Our first camp is going to be the 9th, that second week. Our second camp is going to be the third week. And then we're planning on hosting zones, JO zones, the week after that. So it's going to be mm -hmm. camp, camp. Uh, U.S. diving zones. The month of June is going to be divemania, if you will, yep. and in that time is going to be the Olympic trials as well. Mm -hmm. Strike while the iron's hot. Yep. And guess what? The year after that, I'm going to look for three weeks. The week, the year after that, four weeks, until we get to a point where the club is running year round. Mm -hmm. The All City League is going to be um, a a very competitive league in that the it's a country league that we have between like seven to ten pools where the competitors are no longer competitive with a front twister you're going to have a full senior list because those kids train with us during the off season colleges are going to be calling our club coaches because they're good but not just good they're good people Hopefully by that time, we're going to have a meet here every single year so we can welcome the country to come and join us. 
I would love to do a national championship. But there's a couple of things that we need to figure out before we can go cross that bridge. But these are kind of the aspirations that I have. And on top of it, in our camp system, a camper will come. Day one is going to be hurdles, hurdles and back takeoffs. Mm -hmm. That's it. Day yep. two, we're working on fronts and inwards. Day three, backs and gainers and the twisters that go along with it. Day four, we're working on competition strategy. Day five, we compete, get out or stick around for another week. Yeah. I want to cap it off at like 50 kids. That means you get five coaches that are strictly coaches. They're not going to be um, counselor coaches. You are there to coach. Heath, Aaron, I want you guys to come be my coaches and I want you to coach and be on shift for seven hours. Yep. And then I have a staff of counselors that will relieve you of the divers. And then they are going to be on for seven hours yep. as counselors. So you can, you know, take off and then we will meet as coaches and I educate you. And mm -hmm. each of you are going to get a coaching assistant, which is another coach who wants to learn how to coach or wants to progress their coaching and understand the theories. It's not going to be like, I'm going to keep my secrets. Hey, yeah. here are the videos that I have, but you can't have access to them. No, take everything I want. I'm a firm believer of, I will write the workout for you, but I guarantee you it's not going to be successful. Because that workout is based on my personality. And it's based on the kids that I coach, and they know my demeanor, and they know my intensity. I, you could... One of the one of yeah. the best coaches I've ever met in my life. His name is Todd DeSorbo at UVA. He's a three-time national champion, Olympic coach, phenomenal swim coach, swim coach mm -hmm. particularly. And he would hand his whole book to these coaches at these camps and say, Hey, take my workouts. I don't care. I'm not, it's not a secret. You can have whatever I whatever I do. Yeah. Just mind you, it might not work. Well, what do you mean it might won't work? This is like liquid, this is gold. This is like the workout i could take i would take yeah. uh adam adam soldati drew johansson matt scoggin patrick i could take all of their workouts but that won't work for me because that is not my demeanor it won't work because it's not how i coach i could use some ideas but how effective would it be if it's not authentically me or authentically badger right so yeah I think you're so spot on because I, when you said, you know, you have your own personality and your quirks and things like that, it's, it made me think of like how last year I had like this workout that it just so happened any day that like I was maybe hitting a wall of like, how do I get through this or, or find a different path with the athlete? It was like my, like my safe practice of like, this is a, a standard practice, but this year it's been completely different. Like the kids are like, oh, you switched it up this year and it's been a good change. But I'm like, well, it's just, it's just a different year. Like things are different. Like I am different. And it's it's been really neat because I will write all my workouts down and I track them like day one, a.m., day two, p.m. And it's like been really neat to like look but not fall victim to this worked last year. We're doing this again. And it's it's forced me to change a little bit. And some things that worked really well, I'm like, okay, how can I incorporate this differently into something that but it's, you're so right. Like you could give everybody the workout. This is what I would do, but it doesn't mean it's going to go the, go right or go well. So I think actually I have a couple of friends. I have a couple of friends who write workouts for me and I write workouts for them. And I'm just really? interested. 
Yeah. And we're interested, not during the season, it's usually mm -hmm. in the summer mm -hmm. where we don't have things at stake. I'm just interested to see how it shakes out, how it works yeah. out. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And when we end up talking at the end of the week, um, my buddies would say like, you know what? That was a great skill. I think where I'm going to keep it for the upcoming season. And I, look, I like what you did. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why you're doing it. But mm -hmm. if you tried this, my kids really like they ate it up. So I'd give it a try. I'm, I, I want to believe that I'm humble enough. I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. I don't even think I'm a good coach. I'm just, a, I just make comments. It's just common sense, right? The goal is how do you make a diver the most efficient, with the least amount of effort, spin as fast as they can and find vertical. Yeah. And outside of that, if you understand physics and you understand biomechanics, physics is the laws of nature. Biomechanics is how do you make your body fit within those laws? Outside of that, there's nothing special to it. It's just, it. this is why I love diving is because it is constantly trying to figure out. I watched a video when we were coming back from Georgia on one of my kids' hurdles. How on earth did I miss that hurdle? How on earth did I miss that? That's, his arms are off. His, his timing is completely off. How did I miss this? Because you can't see the trees for the yeah. forest. Right? Yeah. So it takes a minute, but... Absolutely. I am. I rely heavily on peers and colleagues and friends to make myself better because they are looking for a challenge. They're looking for a battle. They're looking for a rival as much as I am. Wouldn't your, wouldn't you love having your best friend be your rival? Yeah. I always joke with Aaron and tell him he should go coach at St. Cloud one day. I think it'd be so much fun. I would hate, I would hate, I would hate it, but love it. Cause I'm like, oh crap. I've told Aaron for years what I do with recruiting that like, I think works at D2 and D3, but and I'd be so be excited. Better. And that's exactly it. Like, it's so ironic. You say that because I talk to coaches all the time and I think they think it's like lip service at times where I'm like, I want the diving teams around me to be better. It forces me to have to be better. I have to recruit to a different level. I have to be a better coach. You have to figure out how to be more efficient with less time. Like, uh, you said you hit the nail on the head. It forces you to be better. Um, a question I do have for you Yaya, is going to some of those like teaching philosophies is when you start a brand new diver, where do you start? Do you start with the entry? Do you start with a jump shape? Like, what do you look at and where do you want to approach to start? Are you referring to an age grouper or a college? Yeah. Diver? Yeah. Let's say an age grouper. Okay, because like, they're both like very different answers. Se Seven-year-old walks in. You don't know if they have any prior skills at all. They start. What are they doing with Fun. your club team? Fun. Fun. We we have a program. It's called the Aqua Cubs. We start at scratch. We teach them how to do a front lineup. We teach them how to do a jump. First thing we do, the very first thing is called the Tours of the Towers. We start off on 10-meter we have them hang over the edge of the tower where their their chin has to hang over the 10 and they have to count <laughs> to five. Then they get up, walk back, they go to seven meter, they go to five meter. By the time they get to five meter, they're like, can we just jump? <laughs> go for it. And it is, it is fun to see that happen. But to take it a step further, I don't do that. I have my first 
my first class, for instance, I will do it. And then I always have them sign up for a second class. Mm -hmm. And then I split that class into two. So out of a class of 10, I'll have the first session is going to have 10 divers. The second session is going to have five old divers in this class, five old divers in this one, and then five new ones. And then what I tell them, the five old divers, your job is to teach the new divers the tour of the towers. So then they sync up. They have partners. They go and do the same thing. And it's a, it is exciting to see how, oh, coach wants me to teach. Okay. And then they encourage those kids to, to jump off of five with them. All right. Now, if you're going to jump off of five, you have to jump off with your buddy. All right. Here's where we go. Ready? Five meter. They jump off. They go up there. Can we go off seven now? Yep. Go up to seven. They go up to ten. <laughs> and it's the parents are having a great time. The kids are having a great time. That's where you have to start. You have to start with the fun part. You have to start. Why did we start diving? Yeah. It's not about the technique. It's not about the yep. rip. It's not about. It is all about that. And I even do that with my high schoolers. In order to be a part of the Wisconsin Dive Club, you have to spend one session as an aqua cub. You have to have that humility, that, that, that pure, I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. I am a state finalist, but I've never been on 10 meter. You need to go through that. You have to take a step back before we could take multiple steps forward. Yeah. So that's how I would approach my junior divers. You have to start off with the humility. You have to know what you know, and you definitely have to learn what you don't know. Yeah. Even if your parents want you to, well, my kids, this, this awesome diver at the summer league, that doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> Yep. What what's important to me is that the kid can listen, that they are a coachable and b more importantly teachable. That's what's important to me. Yeah. And then when you have a kid who is a better diver, the first thing we work on is balance. Mm. The first thing we work on is balance. When all my college kids, we start off with balance. We will spend mm. about a a month simply on balance on how to be in the right positions, in the right postures, be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And what that means is wherever the board is in your bounce, wherever you are at the approach on the tower, you have to be at the right place at the right time. Even if you're not strong, your body yeah. knows what needs to do. You just have to get out of the way. Yeah. I like that. All right. Well, we're going to get into our signature questions. Um, we don't treat failure like it's a bad thing more of an opportunity for growth. So from that perspective, what would you consider is one of your favorite failures? Dang it. Um, I would have to go back to Chase. I would have yeah. to go back to Chase. That I would not be who I am without that. Um, uh, another failure that I would have was Harrison Mitchell to name drop somebody. He was a cop in Raleigh. He was one of my divers. Great kid. Tough as nails. Him, he had a very rough zone meet. And we, I talked to him once just as a human being, and he gave me everything. He gave me every, he laid it all on the line. He had some funk to, to his diving, his his club coach was Aaron Hentz down at um, mm -hmm. CDA. 
the kid was strong. The kid was tough as nails. Like you could throw him up against the wall and he would bounce back and do it all over again if he trusted you. I feel like he trusted me. Um, but I really wish when with him in that first class while I was at NC State, I really wish I knew how to manage the humans better. And if I go back even further, I wish I'd learned how to manage the humans better at my time in Wyoming. Because I came into Wyoming like a bull in a china shop. Those kids did not sign up to go to Florida or Florida State or Indiana or Purdue or Texas. They signed up to go to Wyoming. And I was extremely hard on them. They seem to be doing really well now. One of them actually works for me. One of the girls is a woman. One of the women is a diver, a coach for me now with the club. Um, but those kids did their very best and I just demanded more and more. And sometimes if you give your best and that is all you can give, that's all I can ask for. Yeah. If you give your best, it doesn't necessarily mean that you win. Yep. You could finish dead last with your best. It just means that other people were better than you, but you cannot discount what you have done to accomplish what you have done. Yeah. And I really wish I could recognize that more in my young, naive, stupid mind. I really wish I could recognize and go back. And I still stay in touch with a couple of them, but, and I'm super proud of the people that they've become. I'm incredibly grateful that I was a very small part in their journey of life. I wish I could have said it then at the time when it really would have mattered, not now. Mm. When we are lifetimes apart with their children and their spouses yeah. and my program, I wish I could go back and say that. That was probably one of my greatest failures. So now moving forward, I always make it a point to recognize that we have um, in our team, there's this beautiful thing that we do. And I really do appreciate it. One of our kids brought up that she coaches a high school team and she brought something up. We are going to talk about a rosebud, a thorn. What was it that they said? A bud, a rose, a bud, or a thorn. So what is something that you're looking forward to in the week? What is something that you did well in the week? And what is something that you struggled with in the week? Right. And we talk and we bring it up and we talk about it. And then we start our day. It takes five minutes. It takes five minutes for the whole team. But I hear it and I listen to it and I recognize it and I appreciate because that is something that I have not done because it's something that when I was younger, I never looked at athletes as kids. Now that I have my own children, every athlete is somebody's kid. They, and they are eventually going to be a mother or they're going to be a father. They're going to be a spouse or a partner. They, there's more to them than diving. So, yeah. yeah, I hope that answered. I hope that ramble answers that. No, that was, that was ideal. That was perfect. I mean, a lot of us coaches, I certainly can attest to that I had to learn lessons just like that. You know, you, you come in and you think, man, I'm going to change the game. I'm going to be the best high school coach. I'm going to be the best D2 college coach. And it's like, all right, let, let's just make sure we're 
prioritizing the right things. Yeah. And I, I think you found that that's, it's admirable. Um, so my next one here is what are you doing to improve? You seem like a lifetime learner. Uh, am I picking up on that? I think that'd be fair. <laughs> what am I doing to learn? And what am I doing to improve? Ask questions, ask questions. Whenever I sit on a pool deck, whenever I, I visit, I usually will shoot a text to a, a coach and say, Hey, do you, um, you have a minute to chat? This is what I'm doing. Where am I missing? Where can I be better? And, and somebody that I really lean into two people that I lean into a lot. Um, there's a coach down in Texas that I lean into heavily, who has been a huge influence on my, on my coaching. Um, and then a coach out in California, massive influence. And I, I speak to them regularly. I text them. I'm always asking, like, what would you do in this situation? And I'm never too shy to reach out to some of the top coaches in the country, too. I think I've earned the respect. Mind you, not just diving coaches, swim coaches, hockey coaches, basketball coaches, football coaches. I I've asked a lot of our, the coaches and our staff, can I sit down under your practice and just watch? Watch how you interact. There has to be a better way than what I'm doing. You only know what you know. And for the longest time, all I knew was the way Jeff Huber coached. The only way I knew was how Jason Bauman coached. The only way I knew was how Ben Strawn coached, who was my high school coach in Bloomington. And then I expanded that. And there were so many different ways. I learned from Patrick Jeffrey. I learned from uh, Chris Bergier out at CSU. I learned from Omar Ojeda, from Tom Stebbins, from Dan Locke, Adam, Drew, Justin Socher at Ohio State, just sitting on the pool deck and talking to them and say, well, why do you do that? Mm -hmm. You would be, well, you too would not be amazed, but younger coaches, we love sharing information. Yeah. We loved, there's no secret to this. I'm better at what I do than you because my relationship with my athletes is better. And they understand what I want and they understand what I expect. You can't talk to my athletes the way I do, the same way I can't talk to your athletes. Yeah. But there are little nuggets that you can apply to your practice that will take your kids to the next level. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, my third one here is what is your why? People suck. People suck. People are self centered. People are rude and they're unkind. My why is I really believe, again, maybe naively, I can change the world one dive at a time, one kid at a time. My athletes, my club kids, they are required to shake hands, high five, and thank every coach on the pool deck after they're done with practice. My college athletes are required to say thank you to the lifeguards for guarding, for doing their job, but thank you for guarding when they leave. Um, the club kids, when we come back from any kind of competition, make sure you find the meat director and you find the table workers and you say thank you for running a smooth meat. And when you are done with your last dive, you walk up to the judges and you say, thank you for judging us today. And then you leave. Very simple. If you don't, I come down on you like a hailstorm. Again, people suck. There are some horrible people, and I don't know what's going on in their world, 
but the people that I impact in my life, and hopefully I'm a small part in theirs, they will counter and outweigh the crappy people in the world because there's too many of them and they make too much noise and the good people aren't, they don't advertise and they don't need to, but they're there. And I hope our sport, as unique as it is, is a massive, major, and positive influence in society when society does need a compass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that and totally agree. Okay, my final one, a little more lighthearted. What is your spirit animal? That comes from Katie from Pitt. What is my spirit animal? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a dragon. A nice. Dragon. <laughs> I'm a dragon. To all my friends who um, who have dirty thoughts, you know what that means? And those who are whimsical and magical, dragons have magical powers, and that is my spirit animal. Very good. Freaking, a, I love I'm it. I'm a big fan of smog. Yeah. Love it. Rings. Love yep. it. All right. Favorite drill. It can be whatever you want. Dry land, water, favorite drill to make your divers do. Let's say college divers, because my college divers always do this drill on Monday. So whatever you say is what we're doing. I I call it a timing series on the dry board. And it's one of those things that we are slowly working our way towards. Um, every time you go to a new pool, you'll do 10 of these jumps. Mm -hmm. Right. You get to the end of the board, you start with your hands on your hips and you're just, you bounce 10 times, right? Right from your 10 times, you put your arms straight above your head and then you're bouncing again and you're trying to catch the board. You finish all the way through your toes, draw your knees and then catch. Then you bring your arms down and you're circ and it's not a full circle, but they start behind your, your hips and they drop into 12 or drop into six. So your timing is going... Oh, it's going down to the side and you time it. So it's teaching you to be in at six, right? And then yep. you do the same thing going forward. So when you touch the board, your arms go forward mm. and it's just that timing. And then you do your full arm circle. You're talking about 60 to 70 bounces. And ideally, the best time to do this, if you're in a visiting pool, is during your open warm-up, for instance. It'll take you less than three minutes to do this, right? But it times and primes the board, and you are – you. the new Duraflex boards, the, the fulcrums, are mm -hmm. super squishy and super spongy, mm -hmm. impossible to time. But we figured out that this is how you can catch that timing. If you can hit the 100 mark, say maybe 12 to 15 of each, mm -hmm. forward and backwards, you'll be able to find that. You'll be mm -hmm. able to find that timing really quickly. So this is something that we have done and spent a good month for, is finding balance and timing on that board. And I, and I absolutely love it. And then we also created a, a side of the pool series for those cases of, all right, we get a 30-minute warm-up before our event starts. Well, that's 30 minutes on the board, so right. I'll get my kids in the water, and we'll get there about an hour before we can get in and just do drills off the side of the pool. Smart. 
if it's all about being efficient, that's what you said. You only get 30 minutes. So how can I be efficient with that? Well, we got to be warmed up, ready to go and have done a lot of our drill work already. So yeah, love it. All right. Best advice given and or received. Surround yourself by people you want to be like. Love it. I learned that from Todd Weichel and Drew Johansson when I was very young at a FINA Grand Prix. We were um, sitting in a hotel. Um, I believe they cooked a steak in the hotel or in the kitchenette. And at the time I was young, so all of my my peers, we would go out, we'd go out to the bars, yep. we'd have uh, a long night, and then we'd show up just exhausted the next day. But all these veterans were 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 awake and professional and it had nothing to do with other than and i i eventually got to the point where me and my friends i don't want to go out I'll, I'll invite my friends to come and meet me in my hotel room or we'll go to the lobby we'll go get a dinner dwight dumay down at arizona we whenever we're together we make it a point to go and get dinner mm-hmm. we'll have maybe a beer or two or a drink and we'll have a meal a proper meal and we will just talk about life and talk about training. And the next morning we, we compete, but it, but the people that I want to be like, and the people who I aspire, who I look up to, they're not using this as a social call. They're using this as a, a means to get better. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And I admire it. And it, it made me, the oldest 25 year old in the country <laughs> because I was in bed. I would go to bed at 10 o'clock mm-hmm. at 10 30. I was in bed. I was out the next morning. I'm up at six 30 in the morning. I'm ready to go. I'm downstairs with my coffee, uh, breakfast and a newspaper. And when my athletes come down, I am there for them. I'm not there to see my friends. I am there for my athletes as they should be as our coaches should be as our as if we demand excellence from our athletes then our athletes deserve excellence from us yeah i i think that's spot on and it, and it's interesting that you mentioned that just in terms of like the the coaches you aspire to be like you know they were sitting there just kind of talking shop in the hotel room eating dinner together they weren't you know going out and doing all that stuff as well. So it just, it's interesting. Cause I think that is part of like the coaching learning curve when you're young that you're like, Oh, we got to go to the bar. Cause that's where everybody's at talking shop, all that. And it's like, as you, as you get older, you kind of learn like, Oh, that that's not where like the real learning's happening. The real learning is going and sitting down and being present. And, and we talked about that immensely, but being present with people. Um, Absolutely. Who would you like to hear us interview next? Any one of the coaches that I mentioned, I think Perfect. you guys are doing a pretty solid job. I think Dan Locke would be amazing. Dan Locke out of Georgia. I think the story of Chris Colwell yeah. would be incredible. Um, if you could find, um, well, no, maybe not. Yeah, probably not. Tom Stebbins. I think Omar Ojeda or Sam Pickens are phenomenal mm-hmm. down in uh, City of Midland. I think what they're doing down there yeah. is amazing definitely worth uh looking into um i'd love to hear a little bit more from dwight dumay yeah um yeah brian galuli would be a great one i love what he's doing down in florida him with yes 
Him oh. and his wife Lauren are are quite the team, and that would be a that would be a fun one to listen to. Brian was one of the first, at, and I and I'll say this because you are on this list too. Brian was one of the first coaches, like big Power Five coaches, that just opened up the doors. Like I remember being at a small D three middle of nowhere, and we got sent to Florida for a recruiting trip or technically our assistant swim coach got sent there. And I just looked at the swim coach said, Hey, you want to send me and I'll do recruiting visits everywhere across the state. Like I'll just drive to every club team. And I emailed Brian and said, would you be willing to meet with me? And he's literally like, I will show you around. I will answer any question you have. And like, he he's amazing. Like he really is. You're right. He is killing it there. It's most it's of really- us are like that. Most yes. of us are like that. All you have to do is ask any mid major, any small program, Yep. any coach that wants to know something. We love, teaching we yeah just because we teach doesn't mean that we that you're learning so we'll try to figure out how to teach you but a stupid question is the unasked question yeah yeah you were very instrumental in that kind of development for me as well because i still remember going to my first usa national junior nationals meet as a coach oh and (laughs) yep and i actually told aaron this story because when we were at winter nationals last year i said you should call tower and I said, yeah, he just threw me on the, the microphone. He said, hey, have you ever called Tower? And I said, never. You go, just don't let anybody land on each other. And I sat there, and I just vividly remember calling Aaron, and you were kind enough to invite me to dinner. And I said, I'm going to eat with Yaya right now. I said, I'll, I'll tell you about it later. And I remember calling him, and I was like, I'm going to the pool at 6 a.m. And he's like, what? You're getting back later. And I was like, yeah, but I got to be at the pool and be around people that I want to be like. And <laughs> It, it was a very, very impactful moment in my coaching career. And I just really want to, and I, and I've told you before privately, but it, it was a very impactful moment that meant a lot to me. And I just really thank you for that. You're very welcome. And just make sure that you do what I asked you to do and pay it forward. Yes, sir. And then my last question is what question are Aaron and I not asking that we should be? I I would have said the why, but you guys beat me to the punch. That's that's been uh, a key one. I think that is a very good one. If um, I don't know, if you weren't a dive coach, what would you be? Yeah, that we keep hearing you, that one. That's a popular. If you weren't not even a dive coach, if you weren't in diving, what would you be in? That's a good one. All right what what's your uh, what's your answer to that? I've been in a lot of things before I was a dive coach and I like being a dive coach. So (laughs) the alternatives are not great. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, no, just, yeah. Yeah. Once again, like I really do believe you are making diving a better sport, a more positive sport. And in turn, it's going to help so many coaches, so many athletes, so many clubs. Um, and just please keep doing everything you're doing for, for everything, for diving as a whole, for young coaches, for the athletes you work with. Um, and I just really appreciate you taking the time to join us this evening and just keep killing it up there in Wisconsin. I can't wait to see what the next two years of your first five-year plan look like. And then furthermore, after that, I'm very excited to see what you do up there. We appreciate you guys very much. I thank you very much for inviting me on. It's a, a tremendous honor and a joy. Uh, getting to speak, not necessarily be interviewed, but get to speak with my friends. Thank you for having me, both of you. Yes, of course. If you're out there listening, hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod and our email is the diving pod at gmail.com. 
Uh, keep looking out for our athlete of the week. We've been doing that on Instagram. It's been a really fun little ad that we've been doing. Um, also another sponsor is Cowing Robards. That's my family's business. We do team online stores or just simple screen print orders. If you need anything, just let me know. Uh, an example of an online store, you can go to divingpod.itemorder.com. That's obviously ours with t-shirts and hoodies and hats, all kinds of fun stuff. Make sure you enter dive pod, all one word at checkout that gets you free shipping. So once again, Mr. Radman, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have uh, been instrumental in both of our diving journeys thus far. It's been a long time coming, but just super appreciative to finally get you on and enjoy some words. Gentlemen, pleasure was all mine. And as we say up here in Madison, on Wisconsin. There you go. We will see you next time.